As the urgency and the anxiety of the hour that we live in surges and grows, today on the show, we are going to be ignoring the fact that Israel and Palestine are about to go to war. We will be ignoring the fact that pipelines on the East Coast are being held ransom and the government just doesn't seem to care. We are going to ignore the fact that India is ripping apart at its seams. And we're going to talk about something far more important far more important for both you and I, and that is the art and the craft of bonsai. Hey, it's Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to the Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. As I said, we are, are flooded and inundated with the anxiety of the hour, the 24-hour news cycle, the, the crisis that is happening, the legitimate crisis that's happening all across the globe, whether it's the, the war that is breaking out in Palestine, between Palestine and Israel, whether it's the pipelines on the East Coast, or whether it's just more of the, the 2020, 2021 into the ad nauseum future crisis that the world is in in any part of the world. But today we're at episode 222, and I have been meditating and thinking about something that I believe is far more important than the clickbait, uh, anxiety-driven news cycle that so many of us are caught up in. This, the constant swiping, liking, clicking, sharing, wondering, fear-based media that really is wrecking and destroying our lives because the news cycle, the information cycle, it lives and breathes on the anxiety and the fear that it creates in us. Because if it can instill fear in us, it will, it will force us. Those, those dopamine pathways in our brain will drive us to continue to click, to read, to share, to, to see who's saying what now about the crisis, whatever crisis that might be. And that drives clicks, that drives advertisement, that drives attention, that drives sales, that drives dollars, that drives activism, that anxiety-producing information. And we have been inundated with more information that, than at any other time in history. The fact that we can open our phone and at any single moment we hear the worst, most tragic news that's happening around the world. You might have seen the, the movie, the, the Newsman, News of the World with Tom Hanks, where he's going from town to town, reading in the newspapers from across the world. And you can imagine he's maybe showing up into a town once a quarter. They're getting news once a quarter, and that was just 150 years ago. But imagine what life was like 200, 300, 500 years ago, how slow information traveled, how slow bad news traveled, how limited we were to our exposure of crises and wars that are breaking out across the world. But today we are flooded with wars and rumors of wars. But this week, as I said, I've been focusing on the the long view of history. I've been meditating on the long path that, that we have been here for thousands of years and we will continue to be here 
thousands of years. I've been thinking about China as, as a dynasty, which has been around, some argue, as short as 3,000, 4,000 years, and some argue even 5,000 years. Now, 5,000 years ago, of course, China, the dynasty of China looked much different than today, but they have inbuilt into their culture a much longer view of history, a much longer game plan than maybe you or I might have, especially growing up in this microwave generation where everything is available to us at, at, at a moment. You and I probably grew up in a time with dial-up where you have 192 KBS kilobytes per second. And it's, it's, it was so fast for right then, but we remember how slow we would take. Your computer would bog down and now here we have 5G and 6G and our, our speeds are so fast and when we click something, if it doesn't show up instantly, we bounce off the page. We don't have time for it. We don't have the attention span for it. But history is long. And our lives are long. But I fear that the cortisol levels in our mind has gotten to a point as, as a collective throughout the globe as we constantly scroll on our phones going from article to article, like to like, dopamine hit to dopamine hit. And the anxiety is driving us to a point where we don't even recognize or can't even see the moves that we're making on a daily basis. But there is a game plan, a strategy that's being played out on the highest levels of society and culture that they're playing 10, 20, 30 chess moves ahead. And many of us are left to react, react to the narrative react to the storyline, react to the facts in the moment. For instance, the, the current conflict right now between Palestine and Israel. My vantage point, when, when I see it, I, I really have to take a step back before I weigh in and I give an opinion. And I'm not even going to be giving an opinion on this episode. Maybe in the next episode will go down that perilous path. But the, the arguments that I am seeing being made, the posts that I see people saying that the b debate and the bickering back and forth, it's all surface level. It's all he said, she said. It's all uh, around these very surface level myths or facts or opinions or, or taking a certain angle on an issue. But I have, I have a sneaky feeling, I suspect, that there's actually a much more uninteresting truth buried deep beyond the surface level outcry that's happening from both sides. That there's a, there's a much deeper, much longer history and, and really uninteresting truth that is driving, that is actually the underlying cause and surge of all of this rather than what's happening today or what's happening tomorrow, what will be happening next month or week in the Middle East. And so I want to take a step back and focus on, on the long view of history today. As I mentioned, China, growing up, my mom, my mom would always tell me stories of China. And mom, if you're listening, hi, 
But I remember my mom would share how she's sure that China is painting toys with lead paint or using crazy chemicals in, in the metals or the plastics to give everyone else in the world, wherever they export their goods, cancer slowly over time. And whether that's a truism or not is beyond the point of this episode. And sometimes fiction is more true than fact. And in this case, I think the fiction, even if it is a fiction or isn't a fiction, it is more true than fact. And that China as a dynasty is willing to play a 200, 300, 400 year game. They're willing to, they're willing to play for generations upon generations. They're willing to sacrifice now to set up the chessboard 20 moves ahead. And I think to myself, I've been reflecting on my life, you know, coming up on this this episode 222, uh, a number that is significant to me. It's not necessarily superstitious or an omen, but 222 always signifies to me something that's established, something that is door opening, something that that has favor on it. Um, and so when I, as I've been approaching this episode, I've been thinking back over the last 221 episodes and thinking forward into the future and realizing something that my viewpoint, my vantage point is often so narrow. My vision is often just barely in front of my nose, but I can just barely see right in front of me. But I need to lift up my head and look at the long view. Nor- normally, I flip it around the other way and I say, keep your head down, just keep on laying bricks. I'm just going to lay brick after brick after brick and not worry about where we are in the grand scheme of things. But at times, it's also true that without vision, without keeping that long 100-year vision, 200, 300-year vision of where you're going in front of you, we can become discouraged by every omen, by every bump in the road, by every every sway of the trees, of the birds in the air, of, of a black cat walking in front of us. And we can begin to read into these omens in fear. But as I was reflecting on on this, and I, I was thinking too of socialism, communism, and how in, in the 20s and 30s, in the Frankfurt School, they, they set forth a 100-year plan to take down the West, to take down capitalism, to take down civilization, to establish their utopia, to establish their vision for the world, not right away. Not through war and combat, but through slowly tearing down and slowly wearing down the moral fabric of society. By slowly tearing down the nuclear family. By slowly undermining common sense or logic or reason. After all, in, in socialism and communism... There is, there is no such thing in postmodernism. There is no such thing as truth. There is no such thing as, as knowledge or facts. It is all perception. And really, when, when, you get, when you get even past that point, you realize that you can't even perceive if you can perceive what you perceive. 
You don't even know if what you're perceiving in your mind is real or is it just an illusion? Is this all just an illusion? Are we all just living in the Maya? The, the illusionary aspect of the world, is this all a dream or is it real? And a, a lot of philosophy, Aristotle, the like, would point to the fact that actually this is real. The fact that you and I can talk about these ideas together with one another. And we can grapple with the same idea even though maybe it's new. We haven't seen it before. There's actually a, a, an object, a reality within our mind. There is actually things that are knowable. Truth, objective truth. Absolute truth is a reality. But if, if a movement like postmodernism through their, their 45 different objectives to undermine Western society over the course of 100 years, where they took the, the very, very long, slow game of putting people in places of media to, to establish the UN and then to become a, a, a veto party in the UN so that could, they essentially use it as a controlling apparatus for a new one world global system. Where they, where they put in people in places of influence of education and media, where they, where they took over the, the Hollywood systems. And we've, we've talked multiple times how media, arts and entertainment, film, music, that's the driver of the culture. In that first tier, it's film, music, arts and entertainment, and then family, and then policy. That's driving the, the cultural fabric of society. But it's that long view of not being caught up in anxiety of what might be happening today or what might be happening tomorrow. But it's the we're going to weather the storm and storm after storm, and we're going to take small steps forward. And as I was meditating on this, over the past week, I came across the ancient art of bonsai. Now, you may be more familiar with bonsai than I am. I'm definitely not uh, an expert on it, on the subject at all. But bonsai is an ancient Chinese art of taking nature, taking trees, and miniaturizing them. So, the word bonsai itself just means potted plant. And they take these, in, bon, in the art of bonsai, they take a normal tree and they miniaturize it. And the way they do that is they, they grow this tree over the course of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 100 years, and they prune this tree to make sure that it doesn't grow very tall. It doesn't grow very big. Now, there's lots of intricate strategies that they use to thicken the trunk of the tree and to, to shape the tree in the right way. The oldest bonsai tree that is in existence, they think is about a thousand years old. Imagine there's a, a tree that people have been working on and stewarding and trimming for a thousand years. There's many trees that have been passed down from generation to generation, four generations, 100 years old, 200, 300 years old. A family heirloom that's living and alive, that's being trimmed and cared for and watered every day and slowly growing into what it needs to become. 
And this last weekend, I fell into this hole and it just, it overwhelmed me. It overwhelmed me thinking of the amount of work that went into making one of these trees, the amount of, of care and focus, knowing that this product, this piece of art wouldn't be completed, wouldn't really even take form, take shape, be like, yeah, this is a great little bonsai I have going. It wouldn't happen for 15 years. And even still, you wouldn't get something really great until maybe 35, 40 years. And the process is never ending. Because it's always growing. It's a, it's a living organism. And as I was studying and reading this, I began reflecting on on my life was began reflecting on our purpose. It's the thing we, one of the main things we talk about here, uncovering our purpose so that we can own our future. So if we're not thinking about our future in the terms of 50, 60, 70 years, maybe, maybe you're a little older in your, in your life. And you think, well, I don't even have, I don't even have 50 years left. I would challenge you to think about your future in the term of 300, 400, 500 years. How are you leaving something as a, as a legacy, an inheritance for generation after generation after generation. Because when we do that, we move past this clickbait anxiety that's happening right now that I know I personally can get caught up in. And we begin to see a, a much larger story. The winds and the waves and the criticism and, and the voices of today kind of fade into the background as we think of, okay, but, but what are we doing for the next hundred years? Where are we going over the next two, three, four decades? What are the, the steps that we're taking? Uh, the, the process of a bonsai tree, to, br to break it down in a very archaic and, and rough synopsis of this ancient and quite intricate art, you, you start off with a a sapling or a small seed, and you let it grow in the ground for probably about four to five years. Some let it grow for 10 years. So imagine you have a just a little sapling to start your bonsai journey, and it's just sitting in the ground for four or five years, and it's growing. The, the trunk, the small, tiny trunk of the tree is thickening, and you might think, okay, well, in four or five years, that's going to be pretty developed. But in four or five years, you have a very relatively small tree. And then you prune it. You take five years of growth for a tree that's maybe six feet tall, or even some that are taller, three meters tall, four meters tall, and you cut it down to one meter tall. So you're taking all this growth and you're cutting 80% of it off. And when I heard this and I was thinking about this, I'm like, oh my goodness, this, this is our lives. This is humanity. The journey that we go on where we spend such a, a huge amount of our time growing a skill, growing a craft, growing in a particular area, learning something, maturing in our life, maturing in our character, uncovering our purpose, and then all of a sudden, boom, we get hit back and we cut off. It feels like 80% of our life just got cut off. 
That's the first five years. And then, and then you let the tree grow for another three years. And once you make that first cut of the trunk, you're going to get two more branches that come out. And after a year and a half on one of the branches, you're going to start trimming that back and shaping that out. And on the, 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 the primary branch, you'll wait three years before you cut that and start growing two more legs. And it kind of fractiles out like a, like a math pattern. But it's, it's was shocking to me how much seemingly, how much it seems that it is just gone to waste, how much growth is just grown, 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 then cut off. There's in bonsai, there's something called a sacrificial branch where you'll take a branch that you know that you're not going to use, that's not going to be part of the final product and you let it grow for five years, six years, where you're, you're tending to it, you're watering it every day, but you let this one branch grow really large because what it does when you let one branch grow very far, just unrestricted, it causes everything below it in the trunk to thicken and to strengthen. And so it's a strategy that's used to strengthen the trunk of the tree. Now think of that as a metaphor in our life. There's things that grow in certain seasons for a number of years, and that strengthens our core character. And then all of a sudden one day, the bonsai maker, the artist, the curator, comes in and he he or she cuts that limb off that's been growing for five years, growing for six years, just cuts a limb off. And it would seem like, well, that's such a waste. But really, it served a purpose to strengthen the character of the tree. One thing that I, I really also caught me when I was thinking of bonsai was how the art even came about. People would, would go out to the, the country, to the mountainsides, and they'd see these beautiful landscapes. They'd see these beautiful images of sceneries of these trees that are windswept on the, on the side of a cliff with maybe a pool of water. And it started because they, they, they saw this picture of beautiful nature and they'd come back to their village, their city. And in some ways they, they would try to recreate it. They take these small saplings and they would try to train these trees, which are just normal trees, but they train them so they stay small but so that it would look as a picture of nature, that would resemble nature. So these, it, it started almost as, as living photography. But today what we have is a smartphone in every hand, taking those snapshots rather than understanding that life and nature and growing is a slow process a process of sacrifice, of growing a limb for a number of years, then chopping it off, pruning and pruning and taking wire and manipulating the branches so they go every which way. And I began to think about where you and I are going, where society is going. Are we playing the selfie game? Are we worried about every 
slight omen, every post that's happening, every crisis, every war and rumor of war, where at every moment we're like, oh no, should I trim this, this branch? Should I, should I do this over here? Maybe I shouldn't let this branch grow out for a number of years. Maybe it's worthless. I should prune it back now. Or when something does get pruned back in our life, when we feel like we've suffered a major loss, a major setback, and who hasn't in this past year and a half? Just talking to a friend today who was in Malaysia. And he, he was saying how the, the, the rolling lockdowns and just feels like a massive setback. And so they're trying to pivot. He's sharing how so many of his family members and relatives in India have lost someone, people that he's, he's known, and it's painful and feels like a setback. And for many people, it is. And we were talking on the phone today of, in the midst of the urgency of the hour, living for the legacy, living for the purpose, living knowing that we have the ability to shape our futures, to shape the future of society, to f- shape the future of our children, just like we can shape that bonsai tree. But at times that means we're letting a branch grow and then cutting it off to shape the final product, to shape the final product of our life, that sacrificial limb. But I fear, in my life at least, that I'm far too filled with doubt and worry and self-reflection of what's happening in the moment, not what's happening decades from now. That it can hamstring me because I'm caught up in the 24-hour media cycle that is anxiety-driven, that is fear-driven, rather than taking a step back, removing ourselves from that fear, that anxiety, and looking to a far distant future, knowing that the the small ways that we prune our lives today is a heritage and an inheritance that we can pass on to future generations, that they might inherit those character traits that we that we nurture today, even if our limb is cut short, even if our days are cut short. So if you have found this episode helpful, if you've found it thought-provoking for your life, challenging to maybe take a step back from the, the constant buzz of our phones and the news and the, the fear-mongering that is happening to drive our emotions, to react rather than to respond. Talk about that with a couple of colleagues. Share this episode with a couple of colleagues or friends or family and talk about it and share how, and ask the question, how can you break out of the immediate cycle where we can only see six inches in front of our face and begin to expand our vision, begin to expand our future, begin to expand the horizon of our lives because the truth is the world has never been a better place to live. The truth is your future has never looked so good. If we lived a few, just a few hundred years ago, our life expectancy would have probably been half of what it is today. We have a bright and brilliant future in front of us if 
if we take those decisions, we, we make those decisions to grow branches, to, to thicken the, the trunk and the, the nature, the character of who we are. Also, if you get value out of the show and you want to give value back, you can do that by visiting our website at Lucas, L-U-C-A-S, Scrobot, S-K-R-O-B-O-T, S-K-Robot.com. And you can give value for value there, whether it's by giving to the show or by streaming this show on the Breeze app where you can stream Satoshi's per minute. But don't go away. We have a, a great quote from Sun Tzu from The Art of War that is very applicable, especially because we've been talking a lot about China today. So don't go away. Here's a quote. Welcome back to Weaver and Luma, part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destinies and that is what we're talking about today, our destinies, our future, not just for ourselves, but for our children, for our children's children. And I love that this quote is coming from Sun Tzu. Again, we've been talking about thinking generationally. We've been talking about thinking in 30 and 50 and 100-year timescapes of our life rather than the three-minute, five-minute, three-day, three-week. Now, there's times for that. There's times, there's times for the urgency of the hour. There's times for needing to take action now. There's, we can't just ignore what's happening in the moment. We still have to lay those bricks of urgency. There still is that. But in today's culture, we are so focused on shaving off nanoseconds from an activity or, or a server or our life or our laptop or phone, optimizing, rather than taking the other perspective and saying, what is a craft, what is an art that I can give myself to, to help myself think about a future that's very far off, a 35, 40-year future. And I'm beginning to do that with our kids. We started our own little bonsai garden of jade trees this week to teach them patience to teach them about thinking of their life when they're 16. And, and they're doing that. They're like, wow, in 15 years, I'll be, I'll be 21. And my bonsai tree will finally be ready. And if we can begin to do that for ourselves and for our children, we'll be much better off. But here's the quote from Sun Tzu. It says, prohibit the taking of omens and do away with superstitious doubts. Then, until death itself comes, no calamity need be feared. We talked about in the beginning of the show how it is the fear, the, the superstitions, the omens of the world is about to end. Any minute now, we're at, it's the end of the world as we know it. And that fear, that information overload can cause us to come to untimely deaths. It can cause us to short-circuit our lives because we're not focused on the fact that our time will come when it, when it comes. Instead, we're focused on, well, what if what happens over there? 
happens to me now? What if my life is to end now? And we begin to read in and second guess ourselves. We begin to read into everything that happens in our life or the world around us as superstition, as omens, as signs. But what Sun Tzu says is prohibit that. Do away with all the superstitions and signs. Instead, commit yourself to your goal. And if you do, you will not fear any calamity until death itself comes knocking on your door. In the, in the continued writing of this quote, the commentary says, the superstitious bound into saucy doubts and fears, degenerate into cowards, and die many times before their deaths. Tu Mu quotes Huang Shi Kong, spells and incantations should be strictly forbidden, and no officer allowed to inquire by divination into their fortunes of an army, for fear the soldier's mind should be seriously perturbed. The meaning is, he continues, that if all doubts and scruples are discarded, your men will never falter in their resolution until they die. If all our doubts, if all our fears that are often irrational, especially when we're hearing 24-7 from the news media industry that is driving clicks and clickbait and attention and fear and anxiety to drive activism, to drive our dollars, to drive our giving, to drive our emotions so that we will be in a state of reaction rather than of action, rather than a state of playing the chess game of our life four, five, six, seven, ten moves out. If we can break that cycle, then we too can become focused and committed just as we are in building a bonsai tree that will take 30, 40 years. We start that journey of knowing in 35 years, this is going to be a great tree where we're focused and committed and we're patient to let that tree grow in the ground for 10 years. Even though we know we're going to chop 80% off the top of it before removing it out of the ground. And there are times in our life when we're confused because we know that we're trying to shape our lives into this beautiful masterpiece that we, we saw once in nature. We were in nature and we saw that, that, that tree swept by the wind on the, on the edge of a cliff. And we said, that person there, I want to imitate her. I want to imitate him. If only I could do that in my life. And so we set out on this journey to become like that tree. We go back to our house and we get our little sapling and we say, okay, how can I, how can I make my life to be like that tree that's been sitting there growing that great man or woman that's been sitting there growing in the, the harsh environment of the wilderness for decades? How can I model that? How can I build that? Not only in the physical but in my life, in, in, in a generational blessing that I can give to my children's children. And we can, we can begin to wonder, well, why aren't I in this beautiful pot yet? Or wonder, why am I still in the ground? Or wonder, why are these limbs getting hacked off of me? Wonder, why isn't our, our character, our moral strength strong enough yet? Our trunk big enough yet? 
But when we realize that it is a process over decades and that we are standing on the shoulders of our forefathers and we are passing on something to those who come after us, I really believe that it changes the way that you and I begin to act. That's all for today's episode. Please, I write about this actually in my book, Anchored, The Discipline to Stop Drifting. I write about living for legacy. I write about living for an age to come. I write about doing things in our life so that we don't have that immediate satisfaction, but we're getting that satisfaction at the end of our days where we build something that has a solid foundation that we're able to pass on to the next generation. So you can get my, my book on Amazon or on my website. And finally, this week, in the midst of the chaos that is engulfing the world and possibly your life, remember, uncover your purpose, discern the truth in it all, but own your future. <laughs>